Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. One of the most Bay Area conversations you can have hands down is where can you get the best burrito? La Taqueria, man. The best taqueria in San Francisco, bro. If you want a burrito, the best, you just wait. La Taqueria in San Francisco, California. It's the best burrito in the world. A few years ago, the website 538, which is known for its data and analysis, named La Taqueria in San Francisco's Mission District the best burrito in the country. A Bay Area taqueria has become the talk of the town after earning top honors in a national tournament. The attention brought fame, it brought money, all to this one shop. But all this fame also brought a fight over wage theft. Today, the people who work in the country's most famous burrito shop. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. It was pretty great for the Takari, obviously, but it also caused a whole host of problems for both for the, those of us who are longtime fans and for the, the Takari itself because these huge lines started forming. Jonathan Kaufman is a staff reporter with the San Francisco Chronicle's food section. He's reviewed restaurants and even cooked in some for several years. When I talked to Angel Hara, uh, who's the son of the owner who's really taken over, he and his brother, running the taqueria. He said that business has tripled, and they really only increase staff a small amount. I think it just put a huge amount of stress on the restaurant. Okay, here we go. Victoria Romero, who was 18 when she started working for La Taqueria as her first job, is a student at SF State. I'd love to hear um, your experience of, of working there and, and what happened. And, and... Mi experiencia en trabajar en La Taqueria fue interesante. What was your 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 job or your task? Yo hacía, tomaba órdenes, limpiaba mesas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And did you work uh, full time? Was it or just 
certain a few days a week. No era full time, pero tampoco part time, porque trabajaba más de ocho horas. So it wasn't part time or full time. Worked a few days, um, more than eight hours though. They worked like ten or ten and a half hours. There wasn't really any breaks, just the lunch break. Oh yeah, lunch break. She worked there for about a year before um, she decided to look for another job, and when she was interviewing, she was laid off. So were you the first person to reach out to young workers? Or? No, I was the second one. Oh, yeah? Okay. Uh-huh. A couple of workers who were laid off or fired, um, depending on who you, who you might ask, um, went to some uh, a worker worker organization, an advocacy organization called Young Workers Are United. No solo para nosotros, sino que para ellos, que es lo más importante, la verdad. And young workers started to inform us and, and thank God it's most important that the change is there for the ones who keep working and yeah. they, they don't deserve to be treated badly. They complained about their, their firings, but also about all of these other labor violations that they had observed while they were working. These violations included not paying for overtime, sick leave, and employee health care costs. Entonces, las muchachas que todo lo que estaba mal estaba pasando en mi trabajo. Everything that they were saying about violations, I realized was happening at my job. Is that, that's, that sounds like a common thing. Is that a common thing? Yes. Uh, you know, there are lots of things that are, some things are more common than others, right? So not paying overtime, I would say, is relatively common. Um, not having regular work breaks, lunch breaks, dinner breaks, you know, that is totally common. I think there's always been this this uh, attitude in the restaurant business that, you know, the, the workflow is so different. And so, you know, people don't observe the same labor laws. So when these employees went to go seek help, what happened after that? There was a group of four four workers, two who had been let go and two who were still there. They really worked to organize and tried to talk to some of their coworkers, but they definitely really tried to talk to the Hara family hmm. about can we can we address these issues? You know, can we make this workplace better and can you make some of these, you know, informal illegal things legal? I think it was a pretty tense period of about a year, year and a half, where they they made some changes in February of 2017. They they started, you know, calculating sick time. They sort of instituted a time clock or brought one back, um, and they f- did all the the proper things. But that wasn't necessarily enough. It was maybe a little too late. The, these four women were organizing to really make the workplace better for all of their coworkers, many of whom were suspicious of what they were doing, were worried that this might affect their jobs or it might f- affect the business. So they kind of were, um, they were under a lot of pressure. A pesar de que hay mucha gente ahí que literal tiene toda su vida trabajando en la taquería. So it was interesting because a lot of people had like spent their whole lives working at yeah. la taquería, but never said anything because of, partially because of the fear of being fired. In July 2017, the state came in and interviewed workers for a little bit, um, and and the city requested employment records from the Hara family about their employment. In November, both agencies issued their their fines and citations and and um, you, you know the amount they wanted them to pay the workers. Out of all the work the women did fighting for their rights, in the end, they got La Taqueria to start paying for overtime, sick leave, and employee health care costs. And the company had to shell out back pay. I talked to the Hara, you know, the um, Miguel and, and Angel Hara. And what did they say? They're embarrassed. They're upset. Um, probably a little angry still. You know, they, they ended up having to pay in total $600,000. Uh, and they ended up closing one day a week and laying off a bunch of workers. But I think they're they're mostly embarrassed. 
I know you are a patron of this place, but has it changed the way you view it as an establishment that you go to? Well, I, I have mixed feelings about that. You know, I mean, I, uh, I, there are a number of businesses that I don't patronize because they've made some ethical choices, um, particularly around sexual harassment, some of those complaints that have come out. Uh, but then I think if, if an employer makes the changes and makes the workplace better for their, for their workers, I don't then have a problem with going, going there. Jonathan, thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. Jonathan Kaufman is a staff reporter with the San Francisco Chronicle's food section. This story about La Taqueria is a small victory for employees, but there are many others who can't read labor rules that are written in the English language, who don't know there are advocates or nonprofits who can help out, who may be working at restaurants without documentation, or who feel they can't risk getting their hours cut or losing a job. To see the full article from Jonathan, check out our episode notes. I'm Devin Kadiyama. You've been listening to The Bay. Before I let you go, I want to tell you about the California Report magazine this week. The podcast is dedicating the entire half hour to a story about a woman named Beth who goes searching for her daughter who disappeared one day. Subscribe to the California Report magazine wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Thanks.